0: Welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Saturday, April 4th. I'm joined by the one and only, my good buddy, uh, the annoying Santino Cocone. Santino, how are you doing this morning?
1: Doing well, Hob. Looking forward to doing another podcast with you. I like how we have Robot Apatria on. Um, I think it's going to go really well. (laughs)
0: and i say annoying just be just because this is take five of us getting this going (laughs) right now uh santino every time i'm about to start a recording uh has to fidget and move something so uh (laughs) that is generally not that annoying um you know, maybe I'm saying that just because he's still pretty new. I'm sure after you hear us together a few times, you'll probably be on my side of this, but, uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about, man. I'm always happy to do these nice morning shows with you. I got the coffee cup full. Uh, it's actually a really, really beautiful day out here in Connecticut. So I'll probably go for a nice little walk later. Uh, but we got some teams to break down. So I know uh, you've been doing some team breakdown shows. You've been writing some articles all around the, the internet and stuff like that. So, uh, I know you've got a, nice firm grasp on what's going on in the future what's going on now and maybe what we can expect when this starts back off but uh today we're here to talk about the Blazers and we're here to talk about the Pelicans two teams that are kind of on different spectrums ones uh but at the same time both vying and lobbying to get into playoffs right now um when the season does start so we're not going to mess around we're just going to jump right into it Santino uh we're going to talk about the Blazers to get this going Mm -hmm. and I mean this is this is a team that's we've seen in one of the best runs in basketball and comes to recent memory this season is coming from Damian Lillard, that stretch that he had. I know that he was making me a ton of money in DFS, uh, a guy that really took his, his game to the next level and kind of, oh, it was almost looking like I, you know, I, and I say this just because uh, it's a, it's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but it's also in great respect. Uh, that Mamba mentality, something some another gear where he knew that he basically had to shoulder this team. And if they were making it to playoffs, it was going to be because of him. So I always wanted to just start right at the top. And he's obviously, uh, you know, always been like an all star caliber player, but took his game to a new level this season, averaging a career high in points, a career high in assists, uh, not a career high in rebounds, but also a career high in three point attempts. Uh, a his career high in three point field goal percentage right now. So this dude in 58 games is just Absolutely lighten it up. So I just wanted to touch on you, uh, you know, and and what your thoughts on Damian Lillard's run this season was and kind of how that, you know, extended his legacy and changed the way people kind of view him and look at him. Yeah, I mean,
1: he's always been one of the top six, seven point guards in the league. But this year he wanted to put his name in the higher echelon to top three conversation. He took it to another level, especially in that was January, February 20-game stretch or so where he was just dropping 50 points regularly. Uh, he just went off. when he Before he got hurt, he was just going off. Um, and, yeah, it was maybe partly of the reason of it is how they lost last year. They finally had some success in the playoffs. Uh, him and McCollum got all the way to the conference finals. Surprisingly, yeah, they beat the Nuggets to get there in, in seven. And then they got to the Warriors, and uh, we <laughs> – then they started playing more of what we thought they were going to do in the playoffs, which was uh, they lost. They lost pretty badly. I think they lost in four games. I'm pretty sure they got swept. And they went home packing, and it looked like that was, that might be a reason of why Lillard came out so strong this year. And uh, he was pretty much borderline consensus first-round pick in most fantasy drafts, and he's been a high-priced player in DFS all, all year. But he's shown a new level this year, and he's shown that he wants to lead this team and McCollum missed a large chunk of games. I mean, Lillard also missed a chunk of games. But this team has played pretty well. I mean, they're scoring the ball. It's just the way that they're playing hasn't translated into wins. Uh, I know you're going to touch upon that. It's probably the de- their their defense hasn't been good, and they don't move the ball around. A lot of these guys I are just more ISO guys. But, yeah, Lillard has been fantastic, and I love uh, watching him
0: play out there. Well, there's one question I wanted to, you know, pose to you. And it's because I know you're a huge Westbrook guy. Uh, I, you know, I know Santino a very long time. He's been a Westbrook truther and fan since the early days. Uh, at this point, after, you know, watching Lillard kind of take this next gear, those are two players that, you know, they, they chirp back and forth. They kind of butt heads a little bit. Very competitive uh, type players. So, you know, at this point, who would you rather have as your point guard? If you're, if you're a team right now, Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook?
1: In this question, is this right now in this particular season who, to win championship right now? Or do you going mean forward. if I had – going both forward.
0: stages of the career, yeah. You're uh, going to have the next of... – yep, locked in okay. for the next 10 years, let's say. Boom. You got Ten years. Guaranteed. Well, Guaranteed. I don't think
1: – Russell Westbrook <laughs> can't play for another 10 years. And as you mentioned, I've always been a big, huge uh, Russell Westbrook guy, truther. But his game is athleticism and the – all those injuries and all the surgeries that he's miraculously come back from after barely any missed time, they're taking its toll on him and they're going to sap that athleticism, that elite, elite, elite of the elite athleticism very soon. So I would, I'd have to say I'm taking and Lillard for the long haul, but if I was going for a championship right now, um, yeah, probably still Lillard. I mean, Russell Westbrook's about to hit 30. I don't think he has much longer on being one of the best point guards in the game or players for that matter. So Lillard has, I think he has the more longevity in his game. His, it's, his game is more dictated towards longevity. I mean, Wes Rusbrook, he can't shoot. And <laughs> we noticed this and it's the true. way that, and his, his numbers have gotten better. His field goal percentage has been pretty much the highest in his career because he stopped taking those bad three pointers and he stopped taking three pointers pretty much in general. So when his athleticism goes and he can't beat people off the dribble and he can't do the dunks and the and the quick movements that he does so well and how he beats everybody uh, so easily off the dribble and whatnot, when that goes, his game's going to look a lot different. Kind of like Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd was able to adapt that shot and adapt um, his game as he aged, and he got really good at it, and he won a championship with the Mavs because of it, but I don't know if Westbrook – Can I don't know if he has the mentality to adapt and
0: not be the alpha upon the alphas? That's a that's a great comp with Jason Kidd too because I mean anybody that's followed Kidd's career was not the best three point shooter and all of a sudden you know and at the end of his career you look at the numbers and he's got some of the most made in in history so <laughs> right? uh, you know you couldn't write that and there's a few other players who were able to adapt another one that we just talked about the other day was Brooke Lopez you know a guy that didn't what maybe took three three pointers for the first five years of his career and then now he's taken over a hundred uh, on the season so uh, uh, right Brook Lopez big guy and he was a when he was a 20 and 10 guy
1: in uh in Brooklyn and he was the go-to guy on that team just the face and now all of a sudden he takes three-pointers and he doesn't I don't know where the rebounds went but uh they're not there anymore i think so, he yeah, averaged just like four or something
0: Yeah, you're not getting him next to Giannis. And I think a lot of that (laughs) just is, again, adapting, because Brooke had um, he had some pretty, pretty bad foot problems, if I'm not mistaken, when he was over there playing in Brooklyn. So that happens a lot of times when you're just sitting there battling in the paint with these other big guys, you get stepped on the movements, they're not, you know, as nimble or as agile as some of these other guys, at the wings of the guards. So, you know, taking a guy out of the paint for a little while, probably better for his health. So, I think there's a lot of things that kind of, you know, turned into Brook Lopez, the three-point shooter, but we've already talked about him. So I'm just going to run down some quick stats real quick uh, surrounding the Blazers. Obviously, I said that they're vying for a playoff spot right in it right now with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans and the Chase uh, at 29 and 37. So not the best record. Santino already touched on a couple of these guys have been injured and missed some chunks of time throughout the season already. Uh, But still, if the season comes back, still very much in it. And, uh, you know, one thing we'll talk about is some of the injuries that this team faced coming into the season and during the season, you know, the gruesome Nurkic leg injury, uh, expecting him back. I mean, right before this Whole uh, you know dilemma in this in this layoff, uh, they were talking about him playing. Like he would be playing right now. I think um, the 15th he was supposed to make his
1: debut this season,
0: yeah. if I believe. So, uh, yep, yeah, I think it was. Yep, yeah, I think you're exactly right. It was 13th, 15th, one of those days. Um, and it was it was you know not nah, obviously not going to be in a in a full workload. Uh, but you know, listen, Nurkic's a great basketball player, a great center. If you're telling me you can get this guy amped up and ready to play 24 minutes a night for playoffs, that's huge because we've already talked about. On several shows, you know, Whiteside, yes, he leads the league uh, in blocks, but his rebounding and his defense overall is not the best. So having another guy that you can go to, and I think more importantly – and the guy that probably would have played an even bigger factor would have been Zach Collins. Zach Collins was a big part of this team's future at the beginning of the season before he hurt his shoulder. Uh, he was slated to come out and be the starting four before they decided you know, bring Mello in. Um, and things would have been looking a lot differently. So this team, I, one thing I notice right now, you know, probably leading to the record, is that they don't have a lot of depth that they can rely on. So getting these guys back for playoffs would be huge for them. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what what kind of factors do you see like Collins and Nurkic making when the season, if the season does kick back off for that playoff run? I mean, the the biggest factor, and I, I like I touched upon them,
1: that uh, they would make is hurting the upside and the the ceiling of Hassan Whiteside. I believe. I mean, they're both great player or good players in their own right. Nurkic, especially he. He can move the ball. He can he can play defense. Um, he can rebound. He can he can make shots and he can stretch the floor a little bit. But he moves the ball very well for a big man. But Hassan Whiteside, um, he was personally one of if not my favorite seventh eighth round pick in fantasy drafts this year and DFS because there was no Nurkic and even it, with an, uh, Zach Collins, you you still would see Hassan Whiteside getting 32 plus minutes a game and every time he's done that throughout his career, he's been awesome. Uh, maybe maybe not in real life because, as you mentioned, he isn't the greatest rim protector, but he gets blocks. Uh, it's very misleading. If you just look at the stats, you think he's a really good rim protector, but he does give up a lot of points with posing bigs. He gets a ton of rebounds, and he gets a ton of block shots when he's playing those minutes, but he gives up a ton of points too, kind of like a little bit of Andre Drummond. Uh, what Drummond does, they're pretty similar players, but – they get you that production for fantasy points, and that's what we're looking for for DFS. So that's who, – who cares how many points he gives up as long as he's getting you those points. But, um, yeah, if, if Nurkic was there and he was healthy and he was playing 24 minutes a game, I just can't see Whiteside and Nurkic sharing the court on the the, the floor together. It just doesn't make sense. They're too big to – and none of them can really – they're just not going to gel together in today's day and age. And uh, White – or Collins could play with either of them because he could stretch the floor, and he's good. I if, if the season comes back, I can see Collins making some DFS lineups. Uh, he's probably going to be really cheap priced. He hasn't played all year. He's played a handful of games. I think I don't even think he reached 100 minutes on the, the season before he, he got hurt. So if he comes back, he's probably going to be – I can't see him more than 5000 So So that, that's a pretty good uh, value for him. And Nurkic, I'm not exactly sure what he would be. His name would probably give him a higher price point to start. But um, he hasn't played all year, so maybe he'll 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 be a decent price if he's if he's like fifty five sixty six thousand. I wouldn't really touch him because he's not gonna get you that workload. But I mean, they're both they're both gonna be solid players. I just think they're more so gonna hurt white side than they are gonna help you in DFS late.
0: Yeah, no, Whiteside is one guy that if you've if you've been listening to our shows, I've been just riding uh, all season long in DFS. I mean, he's been criminally underpriced for most of the season. Um, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the things in as good as the season Lillard's had. I mean, most of Lillard's run was in that one stretch of about a month, maybe a month and a, a few games. And the real numbers, I mean, Whiteside's averaging more DK points per minute than Lillard. It's not by much. I think uh, Whiteside's out here averaging one point. 3-3, three, three, while Lillard's averaging uh 1.32, so it's not by much, <laughs> 1.1. But you were also talking to a guy like Lillard when if this kicks back off, there's not a chance Lillard's priced under 95, 96k, 90, I mean 95, 9600. When we get to see Whiteside sitting there floating around 8k, 8400, 8200. I'll take that all day long, and when you're talking about on sites like DraftKings where you get the double-double bonus, you get, you know, or on FanDuel, the blocks. Huge. Three points yeah. for a block. You know this guy's getting three. Leads the league in blocks this season. Averaging 3.1 blocks per game right now. Um, so he's just been a stud for DFS and, like you said, season-long leagues in it, general. Funny, the part of the reason why he's getting so many blocks is one,
1: he he he, he, the, he tries to block everything. There's not really many shots that he's not going to contest, even though he's like as we mentioned, he, he gives up a lot of points. He contests a lot, so there there's a good chance he's going to get some blocks. Another reason is this team is really bad on defense, uh, individual defense and team defense. They get beat a lot, so that just gives more opportunity for Whiteside to contest shots that he has to contest.
0: Yeah, it's actually – so we'll, we'll jump right into that right now. I mean this team's been playing at a, a pretty solid pace this season. They're 12th in pace, so uh, you know pretty close to the middle of the pack, but on the better half of that. But the the surprising stats is as bad as we're talking about their defense, they're fourth in defensive rating right now, but then they're 17th in effective field goal percentage allowed, which is what we're just saying. Like, you know, sometimes some stats are a little bit misleading, but we're going to go to these other ones that are kind of, you know, pretty much just going to cement it and show you guys exactly what I'm talking about. So they're second in blocks. We've mentioned that. The only other team in the league uh, to have more is Santino's Lakers over there, which shouldn't come as a surprise with White Howard, JaVale McGee, and Anthony Davis, and then you even get the LeBron chase down blocks. But uh, this team is bad on the interior. They're bad on the outside. I mean, they're bad all around. They're the worst rebounding team in the NBA. They're allowing the most offensive rebounds uh, and rebounds per game to opposing teams. So uh, I, I'm I, sorry. I was going to say, I think you uh when you they're fourth from the bottom in defensive rating. Oh, I'm so yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's I, it's I, funny you're too because.
1: You're saying how bad they were, and then I was like, "Oh wait, I think I think you messed or uh, we, we switched that one up a little bit." But yeah, they're they're pretty bad on defense. That was
0: an excellent call, Santino. I do appreciate <laughs> that because I probably would have caught some flack on that one. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, probably I'm probably gonna catch it from you after this, regardless. So uh, I should just roll <laughs> the punches. But uh, they're also, you know. Ranked right down to the bottom uh, for a point opponent's points per game. Uh, I think they're allowing 115.2 points. Uh, they're, they're giving up just tons of three pointers. Teams are getting their three pointers off of them. Uh, opposing teams averaging 37, just about 38% from behind the uh, arc against them. Uh, they just have no stops. And I mean, it's a tale of two takes. They did, they did, they, they, they did bring in Trevor Ariza, um, you know, about halfway through the season. So that's one of the guys that they're really hoping can contest on the uh, perimeter. Uh, a notorious D and three guy who's just a veteran role player can come off the bench. You could start. You could play the three. you could play the four. Um, they need two bodies. They need two bodies like that. Carmelo Anthony's never really been known for his defense, but I've been actually really? a bit impressed <laughs> by. <him. laughs> I've been impressed by him a little bit this summer or this season. He's he's kind of, you know, changed his game and he realized, I think he finally have to. Obviously, he's not going to lead this team in usage. He's third on the team in usage, but um, he's OK with that. It seems like he knows his role. He's just he's humbled. He had a big slice of humble pie when he was off the court. He found a team and he found I, I'm, I'm interested. We're going to get to the contracts and stuff like that in a couple minutes, Sonny, uh, about what you think they're going to do with him going forward. You know, if the season were to end today, which, you know, let's hope it doesn't uh, is a real possibility what the Blazers are going to do going forward with them. But um, you know, the the, the few other things I did want to talk about, we talked about their rebounding and how poor they are with that, which should come no surprise. they have been playing small. That would change a little bit, obviously if they get Nurkic Collins back. So I'd expect maybe a slight tick uh, upwards in the rebounding categories, but you know, that's not going to, be very useful when you're going from 30 to 27, you know, yep. um, still going to be pretty poor at that. And then we're just going to touch on some of these players right now. And the ones that we think can have some relevancy when we come back in here. So um, obviously Damian Lillard is going to be at the top of everyone's, you know, draft boards and, uh, you know, leaderboards and everything like that. He's rocking a 30.2% usage rate on the season, averaging about, like I said, 1.32 DK points per minute. CJ is always right there. So we always like to look at CJ as the pivot and some of those obvious Damian Lillard chalk spots where we think his ownership is going to jump up there. You could generally get CJ and listen, it's lightning in a bottle, both of them. One of them gets hot. He's going to keep shooting. Uh, you'll see some CJ McCollum games where he has 27, 28 shot attempts and it, it's generally going to turn into a 40 to 50 point uh, fantasy night. So I never have any quorums playing CJ. I usually use him as a, uh, a pivot off of Lillard um mellow i have not played much this season uh generally if i'm looking to play mellow i want somebody out i want lillard to McCollum out i just want a little extra usage and shot attempts going there uh maybe if Whiteside was sitting somewhere i know he's going to get a little bit of extra rebounding upside but with everybody healthy it's kind of hard to rely on them the guy's only averaging 0.85 dk points per minute and he's usually floating around that five to six k range so i usually just leave them for other people uh if you want to use them as like a gpp flyer and just hope that you get one of those you know nice shooting nights Go for it, but uh, generally not something. And then Trevor Ariza, he's he's a little bit of a darling just because he's generally so cheap. He's usually 4K to 4500. Uh, he's not a great point per minute guy, but we know he's going to get the minutes, and that's the important thing. So, you know, we mentioned this on the show several times. Minutes equal money. Uh, <laughs> yes, he, he only <laughs> averages points. <laughs> I can't take all the credit. I think Coach has been saying that for a while too. That's that's been floating around the DFS community for a little while now. Um, nah, don't give Coach the credit. Just take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Give it to me. It's me. Patent, uh, <laughs> copyright that. It's mine. Uh, so he's getting 0.72 DK points per minute. It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a guy that cheap and if he's playing 28 to 32 minutes, uh, he's going to get you close to where you need to. And then there's always the upside, as I said, on those right shooting nights and a couple extra steals to some other things fall because the usage is low. So he really needs some, some of those ancillary stats in order to kind of make his way there. Um, so now we'll get to the contracts is this is where I wanted to get your mind on. What do you think the Blazers do with Carmelo Anthony next season? I mean, they got they got some little money coming off the books. Whiteside's going to be coming off the books. It's, you got, it's hard to imagine that they really retain him with a healthy Nurkic and then a healthy Zach Collins coming into the next season. So I'm going to go out and say that they probably don't bring him back. Um, but give me your thoughts. What do you think about those two guys?
1: Yeah, and, and before we, we hit on them, uh, I don't know if you listened to the pod yesterday, but but Coach did throw a dig at us and said, uh, Dumb and Dumber, he called us Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but I was like, oh, okay, okay, coach. Now no, uh, we might have to throw some digs at him when we can. But uh, speaking of Melo, I'm glad that he's back in the league after the hiatus and nobody wanted him. He came out balling in the beginning. Um, I remember, especially on defense, he was getting stocks out of nowhere. He never did that in his career, and I was I was very surprised by it. I mean, they did die down after after the initial phase of him. Uh, coming back, getting the disrespect of nobody wanted him. I don't know why nobody wanted him, but nobody wanted him. And then, yeah, then he he played pretty. He's played pretty well, but I don't see that him coming back next year either. Um, he's probably going to command a little bit more. Maybe the veteran minimum. That's what five six million maybe. He's going to get a little bit of bigger contract. I don't. If they have Zach Collins back and Narkic back with McCollum and Lillard. They don't really need him. They need more wing players because that's where we've sh- seen that they've struggled this year. Uh, Ariza is coming back next year, though. Uh, his contract—he's still under contract for next year. But Rodney Hood is—we don't know how long he's going to be out for, and um, I'm assuming he's going to pick up his six million dollar player option. I think it's around six million because of that injury. So why not just keep your keep the the money in the get, bank when get you paid, can. buddy? Yeah, right. Get get paid while you can. Why not? But um, they're going to need other people. I mean, they're. They have they've have Gary Trent, who they've been playing on the wing, but he's still very raw. They tried to go with Super Mario, but it hasn't worked out. I mean, Nasir Little hasn't really seen the court much. They don't have that depth in the wing. They don't have the wing player that they really need. And sometimes they'll go a three-guard lineup with Lillard, Simons, and McCollum. But McCollum's really not a three. He's too small. He's He's pretty small to be a two-guard. And then when you put them at the three guard, it's very—I mean, it's just even smaller. So they do need wing players, and I don't know if Carmelo Anthony is going to fit that. But that's assuming Zach Collins comes back and they want him, or they don't make another move because Whiteside's coming off the books this year at a whopping twenty-seven, twenty-eight million dollars a year, or for this year. So that's going to eat or um that's a ton of money coming off the books right there. So it depends how they split that money up. Do they go after a big wing guy or do they go after a couple role players? And I'm assuming they're probably going to be a few wings and they're going to have to bring another big in as well. Cause Nurkic, we don't know if, if, especially if they only play about 10 games before the playoffs. And, and then if they don't make the playoffs, Nurkic really had no, um, he won't have any games under his belt, maybe just those 10. So I can see, like you said, I can see Melo not coming back. Um, I can see Whiteside definitely not coming back, and then it's just a matter of how they want to help Lillard and McCollum out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, bottom line, I mean, people have talked about these this core of Lillard and McCollum eventually needing to split up, that they'll never be able to get it done. Um, but the, I don't think the Blazers have any sort of you know urgency to split these two guys up. I mean, yeah. uh, it's a fantastic backcourt, one of the league's best backcourts. down you know, Northwest. Exactly. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they bring in Whiteside. I don't think they bring back Anthony. Uh, I do think that they use that money to go out there to shop a little bit. I mean, if, if this if this team's serious about contending anytime soon and not just want to keep like spinning the tires where they've been, uh, they'll probably end up having to look to move uh, Nasir Little. For, for something, whether it's some, a veteran, uh, something. I mean, he's like the – him and Simons are both – I've talked about Simons plenty of times. I love his game. I think he's going to be a future uh, – very good player. I'm not going to call him like a stud or an all-star or anything like that, but he reminds me a lot of kind of like that Terry Rozier situation uh, that was over there in Boston. Just a guy that looks like he's a little too good to be a backup. Uh, once he kind of gets known a little bit more and you know kind of makes a name for himself, he's going to command a little bit of money on the open market, and then he'll go there. He'll be a very good fantasy player, but probably not a good real life basketball player with all the minutes. But um, so those yeah. are their two their two main pieces that they can really shop out there. Gary Trent has a little appeal. He got some extra run this season with some of those wings and guards out. So they have some young guys that they can use uh, to their advantage, whether it's going out there and getting a pick and then trading the pick or whatever way they want to do it. But um, it's gonna be tough like you said it, it's a lot of money already invested in their two top guys uh, but hey if they can who do you think if they can convince somebody they need one more I mean I've been hearing Kevin love and Blake Griffin left and right for the past like two seasons I feel like I think maybe one of those guys I think I who would you rather have Blake or uh, love if you're if for the blazers um, love he's from Portland he wanted to
1: play with Portland and lillard um, he's just gonna fit that system better and ironically he's more he's healthier uh, two two guys who've been injured a lot the last few years, but if I'm going to bank on someone not getting injured, I, it's got to be Kevin Love because Blake Griffin's knees are, I don't want to say gone, but they're pretty they're close. Gone. No, they're gone. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're okay. I, they're gone. And now I didn't want to be it. the one to say it. But <laughs> I don't think I've ever
0: heard old. Kevin Love's, like, he never usually has knee injuries or anything like that. It's generally like his hand. Like, he breaks his hand or he hurts his shoulder. Back,
1: skip, He's like the old. John
0: Carlos Stanton of, of <laughs> basketball. It's like yeah, it's just old. weird injuries.
1: Weird, knick-knacky injuries that are in different parts of the body. Griffin's is just lower lower body, mainly the knees, so that that's scary, especially someone who jumps through the roof, and that's where he made his game. I mean, he's transformed into a shooter now, and, a, and a, he's always been a playmaker, but he's getting better at that, and he's getting better at ball handling, and he's getting more, or he can shoot better now. He's always had a little bit of that, but he's just improving on that. But that athleticism is what made his him Blake Griffin when he jumped over those cars and when he came in as like after his missing his rookie year because of the knee injury. And then he came on and in his actual rookie year, he just went off and was jumping through literally through the roofs. Uh, (laughs) But without that, just like I mentioned, Westbrook, I don't know if his game's going to age well. Blake Griffin, his game could age well because he has adapted to it. But take out that huge element of his game, and he's just a different player when he actually can step on the court. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about the the Blazers, and I found this hilarious, and it's kind of a stigma that comes with Melo a lot, is hero ball. Melo's always had the isolation basketball to his game. And he's, it's, it's just something that he's done. He gets buckets like it. You can't really guard the guy, but he always slows down an offense when he gets the ball and just pretty much turns it into a one-on-one with some help defense. And if you looked, I, I was looking at the the blazer stats, cause I want, I, I wanted a little laugh to see, is this really a stigma that's still carrying him around and not just him, but the entire team. If you look at any sort of stat that involves assists on the offense, they are pretty much dead last in each of them. Like a, their total assists are dead last. Their bucket or made shots on – or made assisted – like made, a, made field goals. So let me get it out there. <laughs> made field goals on assists last in the league. Um, just most, most things. And, and made buckets not on assists, like unassisted baskets first in the league. Pretty much every kind of a number that you look at for assists, they're either worst – or the best because they're not passing the ball, and that's just—I think that's a big reason of why they're not winning basketball games because it's too much of "please go get me a basket and uh, get out of my way" type of style, and that doesn't really win in here. It's good for fantasy, but it doesn't really win on the court.
0: Yeah, no, and I, you know, it could just be two of these guys, just the way that they've played. I mean, when you talk about McCollum and Lillard, both of them came out of, I guess you could say, um, smaller colleges, you know, where they were the guys, almost like a Steph Curry situation where he's at Davidson, where it's this guy's just light years above every single other player on his team where he, they're used to playing that hero ball. Uh, yeah. Melo has been used to playing that his entire career. Uh, Trevor Reese is a guy that he doesn't give, a, a you know, a, a, we'll, we'll we'll hold off the curse words, <laughs> but he just you let him sit in the corner and be a veteran. He does that's his job. He just likes to be a veteran. But you're talking a lot about the the assist. and one thing that you know I noticed when I was looking at the assist, I did the same thing as you. I saw that it was pretty horrendous. But Lillard's actually got like a very good assist to turnover ratio. Um, so you know, not speaking on everybody as a whole. You know, I looked at he's he's averaging under three turnovers a game, which seems pretty crazy for a guy with a usage his high. Um, in comparison to some of the other superstars around the league and how well often they're handling the ball and uh, their usages as well. You know, talking about your Trey Young's, your James Harden's, a lot of these other guys that, you know, are closer to like that five, five turnover, four and a half turnover. He's down at 2.9 uh, and he's still getting almost eight times a game. So that's one thing. It's just yeah. he's elevated his entire game. And we'll end that with the Blazers. It's just a simple fact of, you know, if, if you take anything away from this season, it's that Damian Lillard's easily one of the best players in the NBA and he's coming out here proving it. And the dude can also wrap pretty baller, too. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know bad. if you ever heard any of his albums. He's, yeah, he's, dude's nasty. Dame Dalla. Dame Dollar baby. So we're going to jump right into the Pelicans on that. I think that's a good place to end it. Damon Lillard is unreal. Um, so... So, tina I know you took a, a deep dive into the Pelicans, and I wanted you to handle the Pelicans because I know you're like our in-house Laker guy over here. You're a die-hard Laker fan, and it just seemed right, considering half the Lakers went to their team this season. So <laughs> I felt yeah. like that that was just meant to be for you. So why don't you just jump right into this? Break down some of the things that you know you noticed and that you want to talk about with these guys.
1: Yeah. So uh, start off with their record. They're also right there, tied tied for the the what is it? They're tied for the ninth, 10th seed right behind the Grizzlies at three and a half games behind them at 28 and 36. They're tied with the Blazers, but the Blazers have one more win, one more loss, so that's that's how they do it there. Um, this team is actually – I'm kind of excited for them if this didn't finish. I think they had a pretty good shot at making that 8th seed because they have been playing better since uh, somebody came back. I forgot his name. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the number one pick in the draft. Since he came back, Zion Williamson, they've – been uh, 11 and 9 he missed one game in there where they won but they've been over 500 since he's returned to the court and it took him a few games to get his feet under him to get it or his legs under him because that's what the team was concerned about and um yeah pretty much on this team you have zion williamson with the highest usage Brandon ingram is is next with zion off the court Brennan Ingram's usage is pretty much the same. It's 20, 28.9 without Zion and 28.3 with Zion. So getting that uh, uh, this great young talent back in the lineup like that it hasn't affected his usage. So he's still a guy that you're going to want to target. And then there's Drew Holiday. It's, it was his team. He he missed a lot of games this year. But without AD, Drew Holiday is the, the veteran that everybody was looking forward to, to groom these young guys. And then there's... Couple other guys out there, and then uh, Lonzo Ball is averaging a 18.6 usage rate. He's not a big usage guy. He's he moves the ball really well, and and when you play him in DFS, you're gonna know that he's he's not a big scorer. He, he'll get you teens sometimes. He blows up for big games when his shots on, but most of the time it's he'll get you a couple steals. He he he'll hit a he's been making threes this year Uh, he's been stretching the floor better and he's been taking better threes I should say as well so his field goal percentage is a little better but he moves the ball around and he's going to get you the eight plus assists so when you're looking when you're playing him you want to play him against a team with a fast pace another team with a fast pace so you know he's moving the ball around and his court vision it works well in those games Um, but yeah and then everybody else is pretty much who's in the lineup and who's not like if josh hart is starting and jj reddick's out maybe brandon ingram's out josh hart's a guy to look at because he is one of the best rebounding if not the best rebounding guard in the nba his rebounding rate is off the charts for a guy who's six <laughs> five i don't know what he does but he 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 grabs rebounds like that um Derek favors is not really a guy to look at now with zion there he just hasn't played and they play him Jalo okafor and Jackson Hayes, depending on the game, you'll see all of them get minutes. And even Nicole Melli, they're all pretty much squashing each other at this point. So I don't I wouldn't look at the center spot for the Pelicans, but you have Zion, you have Ingram, you have Holiday, you have Ball. Those are four good guys. And if all of if I know in the beginning of the year, Nicole Alexander Walker had his uh his opportunity, but he, he didn't do much with it. But if he does have more opportunity, and he's seeing 30 minutes a game. You're talking about a guy with a 24% usage rate when he's on the court, and that's for, for dirt cheap prices. This guy is not afraid to shoot the ball, and he, he can shoot the ball, and he gets hot in a in a hurry. So if there's a lot of injuries, he's a guy I'm targeting for
0: basically pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Alexander Walker fan. Um, I think he's this kid's going to be like a – he actually reminds me of a little bit of um, – you know, almost like uh, Kyle Kuzma. When I, for the first few games that I watched Kuzma, I know that they're kind of different positions. Uh, Alexander's more of a wing, while Kuzma's more of like a four. Uh, but they kind of they both. Neither one of them were very shy their rookie years. They both were like kind of just out there chucking, doing their own things. They looked comfortable, and that's the big thing I think about Alexander Walker is how comfortable he looks. He looks like he's having fun. Um, I also I also really loved when I don't know if you've seen this in the middle of the season uh, when he came back. I believe uh, when he came back to the team playing, and he had the wrong food or something. He got grilled by the veterans on the team plane for, for not getting enough biscuits or something like that. I think that, I think that was him. They went to. Uh, That's funny. Oh no, maybe I'm thinking about the Sixers. That was that was uh, that was Matisse Thibel on the Sixers. That's right. Okay. Uh, th- yeah, he didn't bring he didn't bring enough Popeyes biscuits. He only got six biscuits for the whole team. So Kyle <laughs> Six for the whole team.
1: That, yeah, the biscuits yeah. at Popeyes are the best thing
0: there. They're literally the best. <laughs> Listen, I was right in Kyle O'Quinn's, you know, and his boat right there. I would say the same thing. Six biscuits, dude. I'd probably take six biscuits myself. I would need a large glass of water or something in between. But uh, no, I'm with you. I, I I really I'm excited about this team. I think the youth um the youth factor involved just allows the kind of play to their suit. They like to play quick. They like to play fast. They don't mind giving up some buckets because they know they have the speed and they have Uh, the court vision. Like you said, you touched on Lanto's court vision. It's fantastic, man. He's got some of the best court vision I've seen in a long time for a point guard. Like it's like some Nash level court vision. When you think about it, the way the passes this guy makes without looking, he always knows where everybody is. And it translates on the defensive end as well, because he knows what other point guards are going to do with the ball. He plays those passing lanes perfectly. He's always getting his arms in there. He's causing problems. He's getting those, you know, when the, when the big kind of comes down with the board, doesn't just outlet it really quickly. He's sneaking up behind and sticking his cookie or his, hand in the cookie jar and snagging something out real fast so i'm I've, I've really grown to really enjoy and love lonzo's game and i'm not afraid to say i was wrong about Brandon Ingram. um yeah i did not have this guy pegged <laughs> to be the player that he's turned into this season so kudos to him he's just absolutely balling out and showing people uh his true potential i didn't think he was going to be this good i was expecting him to you know kind of be like that guy that he was over there in la and i was wrong quite flat out this yeah. kid's a stud. The, the usage, I'm glad you touched on it, hasn't doesn't really change much with Zion on the floor and simply because this is his team right now. This is Ingram's team. Yes, Zion's the, going to be the franchise player of it. But it, until until Zion, you know, really gets comfortable, really gets his feet under him, uh, it can show that he could play consistently big minutes and back to backs and all that good stuff. This is still going to be Ingram's team. Um, I'm probably one of the biggest Drew Holiday fans that there is out there. I've always loved his game since he was over there in Philly. Um, you know, uh, if you ever listen to Evan Turner just o- ever talk, he likes to kind of go on a lot of radio shows and stuff like that. He'll always talk about Drew Holiday being one of the best players that he's ever played with. And Evan Turner's played on a lot of basketball teams. So, yes, he uh, has, <laughs> Yeah, guys, I don't even think he's playing right now. Well, nobody is, but uh, (laughs) so there's that for that matter. And then you touched on Favors. Favors is just a guy that when he's healthy, he's good. He's solid. He's very serviceable. Um, he's a very good basketball player, but his health has just been deteriorating for a long time. Now, ever since those days where Paul Millsap left Utah and people thought that Derek favors was just going to, you know, take a hold of this job and run with it and be an all-star and you should have been. And if he, maybe if he was healthy, he would be, but, um, you know, now it's just that small ball with Zion at the five is working very well for him. Uh, they don't need to play favors, big minutes. So you're probably looking at a limited role for him. But I'm OK with playing any of those four major guys, the Williamson, Ball, Holiday, Ingram. All of them are averaging more than a DK point per minute. And to be honest, they're all floating right around the same uh, the same range. So it's going to come down to price and it's going to come up against uh, come down to defensive matchup. Uh, anything specifically, like if some if, if they're going against like the Hawks, give me the guy going against Stray young all day. But Zion's averaging one point two four DK points per minute. Lonzo's at one point one six holiday at one point two. And then you have Ingram at 1.7. So they're all right there. And that's and that just, I think, is shows their pace because there's not too many teams where you have four guys in the starting lineup averaging almost 1.2 fantasy points per minute. Yeah. And
1: it's it's a testament. Before I get into how they play, I, I did want to touch up on – I'm glad you uh, mentioned the Ingram because when he was on the Lakers as your resident Laker fan, I did catch a lot of flack from one Michael Apatria about, oh, I don't really like him and whatnot. And I said, ah – We'll, we'll give it time. He's, he's really I'll young. I'll own this,
0: sonny. This I'm,
1: I'll I'm, own this. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you gave the recognition of Ingram's a pretty good baller. He, he can ball, and I like your. I wanted to say I liked your uh, Lonzo Ball comparison. He does see the floor well, and and everything you were saying, it just made me think of one of my favorite players because I just love watching him play is Ricky Rubio. They're pretty. They're pretty similar. They both see the cl- or floor better than your average player, in 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 the elite category they see the floor like that um, they both can't really shoot much they're not their shots are pretty broken and they've never been good from the field but they can play defense and they can get some rebounds and they can steal the ball they know a lot of the passing lanes because they see the court so well like you mentioned they know where other people are going to see the court and they know where their opposition is going to see the court and they they just they're similar players of of the same mold and I, I, those are kind of guys that I like i've always liked lonzo ball when he was on the lakers Um, I mentioned another thing. I just never really liked his dad. His dad came with so much baggage and it just made me sour on ball. But as an, as an actual NBA player, when, when all that off the court stuff, isn't there, this guy can play and he's really shown it this year. And I'm glad he's been healthy to show it. And same with Ingram. I'm glad he came back from that injury that he had at the end of last year. And he just took this team and made it his, he was showing glimpses of it, glimpses of it last year. as, as a Laker, um, when especially when LeBron got hurt, but he's really molded himself to this is my team, guys, fall not fall in line, but get behind me and we can do some we can make some noise in this league.
0: Yeah, and I, I think when you when you touch on just you know playing in LA that spotlight is tough for a lot of people it's the same thing the criticism that comes with playing in New York or Chicago or any of these major cities it's a lot tougher especially on these young players when they you know they get drafted so high they're expected to you know turn a franchise around then all of a sudden LeBron James comes into the picture uh they're not the guys they're not the the ones that are you know their leash becomes a little shorter um they they had a lot of freedom when they came over here to New Orleans and they're allowed to just kind of be themselves play the way that they need to play the way that fits their style better and, you know, we'll work around that. And it's, it's shown success. I mean, it's not there yet. Obviously, this team's not going to be contending anytime soon. But, you know, with all the star power and the young star power that they have, they're a couple pieces away from making a splash. I mean, at this point, if they were to get into a seven game series with the Blazers, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they took three of them. I think the Blazers would still uh, you know, come down from it in, the, in, in game seven, but, uh, they're, they're, they're playing well, man. They, Zion looks like a beast, dude. It's, there's no doubt about it. This kid's going to, his athleticism, uh, he looks like the same kind of explosiveness that you're just talking about with Blake Griffin. The dude can jump out of the gym. He does stuff that it just looks like it's a, it's a highlight clip in the making. Like when he just jumps up there, grabs the ball at one hand, doesn't even block it. Like I, that's my favorite type of blocks, <laughs> you know, when a guy yeah. just catches it, he straight catches it with one hand and bombs it. He doesn't even block it. <laughs> he gets I don't the know rebound if you remember
1: back in the day, NBA Street. That's how I see him do it. Like I remember back in the day I used to play with Yao Ming because he was so tall and you could just block shots. And they had a thing where you could grab the ball out of the air and then just initiate the fast break. I'm seeing this dude do what I did in video games, and I thought that's only the only way you could do it. And he's doing it as a rookie. He's only played 19 games. I mean, this guy is everything that – He's been built up to be over the last year and a half since he made his name on at Duke, and since we were waiting for him to come. Like, he he is the next big thing. As long as he can stay healthy, this dude is something else, and I'm excited to see everything that he could do because it's just – like as you said, when you see him play, you're just like, wow. People can actually – people do that on the basketball court. And it's just he puts that wow in your mouth that you you just don't see very often, and, it, and it's awesome. Um,
0: yes, New New Orleans <laughs> is going to have a treat for them, uh, and he's embracing the culture down there too. That's what I love. He's got the Bayou Bad Boy shoes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those things, those things are pretty tough. Uh, you know, I'm not a shoe head myself, but those are those are pretty tough, man. I, and hopefully they just don't blow out on like a Goodyear tire. Because right. uh, that, I think Nike caught some flack when that happened. As long as they're not big baller brand shoes, he might be okay. Oh, stop that! <laughs> yeah, I, and listen, hey. I don't, I, I don't know about you. I haven't heard much about uh, Le- LeVar Ball over here in New Orleans. Uh, You know, Lonzo, oh. I think, had his own TV show at one point. I know his younger brother did just buy a team. That that kind of took me yeah. by surprise. His younger brother <laughs> <Yeah. his> Australian. <laughs> like, OK, dude, I got, you know, when I was that age, I was like, ah, oh, sick, I'm going to get my license. I'm going to get a car. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll go school clothes shop. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go buy an Australian basketball team because why not? Right? Uh, I got it like that. <laughs> that's crazy. And
1: yeah, it's. It's like mind-boggling. He played for them earlier, and now he he just owned them. But like you said, I haven't heard much of Lavar Ball this year either, and I'm happy for that. I'm I'm grateful for that because Lonzo's shown, like I've said I said earlier. This dude can ball. When the off-the-court off the stuff is out of there, then all you can concentrate on is the on-the-court stuff, and this dude is a really good player. And I wish that was more of the case when he was in L.A. because I really liked him when he was on the court. When he got hurt last year, more so than LeBron, the the, the numbers say that they were really good when – like they were the number three seed overall last year, the Lakers, before LeBron and Ball got hurt. But Ball was a big I – mean, I know we talk about LeBron. Ball was just as much – when he got hurt that the team struggled, he was just as important because he was moving the ball around. He was playing much better defense than Rondo and everybody else that they wanted to put up there. But when he was on the court, they were a top three team in the in the West, and they were really good. So I'm glad that it's translated over this year and, and more success has come. And all of this is – I haven't touched upon the system. All of this is probably a product – of a system and, and talent. And when you put those two together, you get, you get gold. Um, Alvin Gentry throughout his career, even on the Suns, even before all of these big, young, sexy guys came in here. uh, He was always a fast paced coach. Every system he had, he was playing at one of the top paces in the league. He, he was molded under D'Antoni, who pretty much made pace of play his thing when, when he was on the Suns and then the Lakers, he made, he gelled this new, era of basketball he rushered this in before we even realized that it was rushered in when he was on the Suns with all those teams you mentioned Nash earlier um, when Nash was leading the Amare Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Leandro Barbosa everybody on that team this is what that was in the mid-2000s and now we're seeing it it just elevated to everybody wants to take this play but this team is second in the league in pace at 103.96 when we're looking at DFS targets the teams that you want to play are the fast-paced teams, and second, you, you don't get much higher than second unless you're the Bucks, who, who are just like at 105, so it's not really a big difference. They're very close to a, the top-paced team in the league, and that was without Zion Williamson for most of the year, and without a lot of these guys. Um, so you have that. You have their third in the league in assists. Everybody on this team moves the ball from Ingram to Holiday, and obviously Ball, every heart, most of these people, they all move the ball around, which... As you can see, they're sixth in the league in three-point attempts, so they're they're running and gunning. They're getting their shots off. Um, they're second in the league in offensive rebounds. So not only are they playing at a fast pace and getting all these shots up and and efficiently, they're seventh in the league in effective field goal percentage, but they're getting second chance opportunities on top of that. So if they miss the ball or if they if they miss a shot, 11 times over 11 offensive rebounds a game, they're getting 11 extra. Um, possessions a game so that's huge for a team that's already playing super fast and and you're getting you're just getting added possessions that's that's fantasy and dfs gold right there um, and then you look their points in the paint their ninth uh, points on threes their four three point attempts field goal percentage they're they're in the top 10 field goals made on assisted buckets they're in the top 10 so they're they're pretty much a top 10 offense all around and when you put all of that together in a fast pace, and you have all of these young guys, it's just fun to watch, and they're very good for your fantasy team. And when you're playing a fast pace, you're going to give up a lot of points, and they're almost they're 28th in opponents points per game. So not only are they playing at this fast pace, but they're the teams that they're going against are also adapting more to how they play, and they're playing at a fast pace. So when you see the Pelicans on this uh, on a slate. You not only want to target the big four that we mentioned, but you want to target who they're going against because you know it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's probably, uh, if you take their averages into account, it's about 110 to 113, give or take, on if they win or not. But that's over 220 points that you're expecting on a slate. Uh, usually in Vegas, they're they're going to be they're going to usually have one of the highest over/unders unless they're playing a, a Jazz team or a real slow team like that or like the Pacers. So it's just not only are you going to want to target their offense, you're going to want to target who they're playing against as well.
0: That's a fantastic point because we know we like to stack those up. I think there was a few games before this whole layoff kind of happened where they played the Timberwolves like twice in, in, in like a week and a half span. And both those teams just play at unreal paces. We saw some of the highest game totals uh, predicted uh, all season long and even over the past few seasons. So, yes, that pace is partly in because of this, the youth. But you mentioned Alvin Gentry, you know, all those other places. Let's not forget, too, that he was also with Steve Kerr over there running yep. that small ball, fast pace, gunner type system. Uh, kind of saw how well it worked for them. Uh, so, yeah, if you can get if you can get Draymond at the five, you know, why can't Zion play the five? I guess, you know, Draymond's that all defensive type guy. But as long as that athleticism is going to be there, the, the defense is going to be presented. Zion seems like one of those guys is going to contest as many shots as he possibly could. <laughs> yeah. um, and listen, people don't understand. And even if it doesn't result in blocks, when you have a player that is willing to contest, other teams have to consider that. They think differently about attacking the paint, knowing that this he's not a small guy. You do not want to meet Zion in the air. That well, will not go well for you. He's like a Mack truck,
1: dude. That guy is just compact and built. All in, he, he is a prototypical just monster. I
0: think it's, there's it's only crazy. one player bigger than him, like size-wise, overall
1: weight size. Maybe um, LeBron maybe. James. Or I'm not overall weight size, but in the way he's built, LeBron James is probably one of the only players I can compare him with. I think Zion has a little more baby fat on him, and that's probably because he's so young and he's not. Uh, he hasn't h- had the chance to work on that yet. But, I mean, they're they're pretty much
0: one and the same. We've been at those college food halls, Sonny. We know why the baby's <laughs> there. Those yeah. food halls there where they just give you – it's like the the lady from uh, – what is it, Billy Madison?
1: You know, <laughs> sloppy, sloppy Joe sloppy lady. Sloppy Joe. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and that, I, you're exactly right because you get to go in whenever you want and the food is not good at all. Uh, well, not I shouldn't say not good. It's delicious. It's not good for you, uh, and, and that's where that comes in. But yeah, I mean, him and LeBron are pretty. I I think in a couple of years when he does get that under control, and um, I know the team wants him to lose that because he had extra weight on his knees with the explosiveness they have. That's what they were very worried about. So they're probably going to try and slim that down, and he's going to have that LeBron frame because uh, he it's just it's it's like he was built in a lab. This guy, it's just insane.
0: Yeah, like I remember when I used to watch some of his old high school highlights, where he's just toying dudes that look like you know they were on RJV teams and stuff like that. <laughs> um, it it was just it was comical, and you know you look at him and he almost by the way he plays, if like you just take a far a far like away look, it looks like he's playing like he's six ten you know, six nine, six eleven. Like he's yeah. a big dude, but he's, what is he? Six, six, I believe six, seven, uh, at most, like he's not that tall, but the way that he plays is explosiveness and people want to hate on the weight all the time. The weight is helpful. It is very useful, especially when you're that explosive, just being able to yeah. throw your body weight into somebody. He knocks guys across the court, easy layups. Every time we've seen him just snatch the rebound down because oh of that weight as well. So, um, whatever love, way he, 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 gives the weight
1: room uh adage to everybody because he rips (laughs) boards out of their hands and any size player this dude is just you're right he's just super strong and it's uh it's like a bull coming at you just like i we used to or we do see it still lebron james when he's coming at you full speed that's a freight train and you really don't want to be in his way zion williamson i think might be a little even scarier because he's a little heavier and he's a little pretty much the same height but he's more compact and it's just you don't want to be in this guy's way and he's only a rookie he's barely I don't even know if he's 20 years old yet this dude hasn't even gelled into his own body yet and he's this massive of a a (laughs) physical specimen if I if you see if you you just don't want to see him against you he's just so
0: big and not for nothing I mean a lot of people were pretty quick to criticize him and just say how athleticism has athleticism isn't gonna translate he's can't (laughs) shoot this, this, and that. I mean, he's only taken 13 three-pointers this uh, this season in 19 games, Santino. But the dude shooting 46%. It's a very modest oh. sample size, but hey, that's enough to you know to give you some space. I mean, if they want to give him the room and let him shoot, it, it's not going to be Ben Simmons out there. He's not afraid to shoot. He's going to take the shot. Uh, and I believe you remember he, that uh, first game against the
1: Spurs where they just let him shoot the first first random. game back. And he was wide open for all of them, but he made them pay. He just was hitting them and hitting them. I think he scored 19 or something in the fourth quarter, cause, and, and had four six threes or something because they were letting yeah. him shoot. But if you let if this guy can show you that he can shoot, if you let him shoot, and then you have to come out and close out and guard him, that's where the trouble comes because this dude, when he gets a when he gets by you and he has momentum, just watch out. Just uh, don't even try and go for a block because you are going to get posterized and you are going to get embarrassed. And if that's something you don't want to see replay on ESPN, um, I don't know, just get get out of the way.
0: Yeah, it's not... (laughs) I mean, it's kind of... We just talked about Blake Griffin before. I, I can only... Just say how many reruns I have of him destroying your boy <laughs> Paul Gasol running through my head right now. I feel bad for Paul at that stage where yes he was he was winning championships. Yeah, don't uh, feel bad. He got. Yeah, rips, I don't so. feel bad. I don't feel bad. But man, that dude got obliterated like four <laughs> or five times to the point where he just you know you'd look at his calendar I think and you'd see the see the Clippers on it and just you know big sigh just uh, here we go you know I'll be on Sports Center tomorrow morning so. I think we got a good layout and a good understanding of what this team's, you know, playing like under Gentry with all the youth. We've we've seen a, you know, not a large sample size of Zion, but I think enough where we can kind of generate how this team might move going forward. So let's jump into the contracts, as you talked about, uh, you know, a few of these guys that are on the team. You know, Ingram, uh, he's going to have to get something restructured. Uh, going into the next season. I mean, you got to expect this guy's looking at a nice lucrative payday. Uh, they're going to get Derek favors. It looks like off the book. So talk about a little bit of their contract scenarios going into the next season, maybe what we can expect from who's going to be hanging, uh, hanging around next year. Um, and I guess maybe some potential positions that you can see that they might go after.
1: Yeah. So um, we all know what the the Lakers gave them. The Lakers gave them everything, but Kyle Kuzma and ironically, Kuzma has the the worst year of everybody out of all those it's players. The worst one. <laughs> of of like a Hart, Ball, Ingram, Kuzma's been the worst. And yes, I'm including Hart because that guy's been productive per per minute on the this year. But um, yeah, this team got has so many draft picks coming to them since the AD trade, and they've been playing well. And they're just very young. Uh, we've mentioned all of their players. Drew Holiday's the elder statesman, and he's still I think 29. Now Derek Favors a little older, but you mentioned he's coming off the books, and that's about it was 17, 17, 18 million dollars coming off the books next year. Um, there's nobody locked down really long term. If you look at their long-term contracts, it's Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes, NAW, Alexander Walker, the three rookies, and those are the only ones that are there gar- or past the 21-22 season. So next year you're gonna have a lot of people entering um either their expiring contracts or they're and there's a couple guys that are gone. Like Etwan Moore, he's been a solid role player, but he's 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 coming off the books at eight million. We mentioned Derek Favors coming off the books. I don't think they're going to resign him. They might look for someone else who complements Zion better, uh, a floor spacer at the five, so Zion can have the room to operate underneath that he needs. Um, but then, yeah, you have you have Ball locked down at 11, Zion at 10, JJ Redick expiring next year at 13, um, Drew Holiday has a player option for 2122 but he's he's the only max guy there. And then you touched on it. You hit as you like to say, you hit the nail on the head <laughs> with Brandon Ingram. Um he's going to have a he's a, getting his qualifying offer next year so he's an unrestricted free agent. You got to imagine this dude's getting a max contract. Uh if if the Pelicans decide not that they don't want to give him, somebody's going to give him a, a max contract and they have the option to uh, match any contract. So I, you can't see a guy who just took over the team as his own not getting a max contract and he rightfully deserves it um, so he's he's gonna definitely see 26 they're gonna have a little some room to play with and uh, they're probably gonna bring some veterans everywhere they definitely need another center like I mentioned but that's pretty much it they don't have many it's not going to be a too big of roster turnover because after the after next year is when everybody kind of comes off the books and they can retool their team how they want so who do you do you have any idea of who they might bring in as a center what what are your possible options i want to ask you um that they might bring in or what other veterans do you think because they don't need other young guys they could bring them in but they already have their core nucleus of young guys they're going to look for veterans to make that playoff push in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. They they they're already way too young as it is and you mentioned that <laughs> you hit on it. Plenty of draft picks will be coming in. Uh you know, begs to begs to say that they can chop those around. They will have JJ Redick back next season, which I love JJ Redick. I'm a huge JJ Redick guy. One of my favorite storylines of this season was the pressure Zion was under to not be the first, you know, star player to not lead JJ Redick to the playoffs. He's been to the playoffs every single season of his career. So he's, he'd be pretty upset if he did not make it uh, with them. I I believe that's what it, or maybe it was just an unreal run of playoffs uh, playoffs he's made, whatever it may be. He dodged a bullet, I think, this season, Um, if it doesn't kick back off, (laughs) I guess. So (laughs) so he'll still have his streak going, but he'll be back there. Just a great role player, 35 years old, knows, you know, his game. He's just one of the league's best three point shooters. He can fit in any single system. But I'm with you. I think that they do need another center. Um, I don't think that they're going to go out there and get a stretch five just because those guys just aren't readily available. I mean, if you have a good stretch five, he's probably locked down at this point. Um Nicola Mello kind of fits that mold if they do need that kind of guy. It's not like he's young either. He's 29 years old. He's a guy that's played overseas for quite some time. So he's polished. He knows his game. He's only shooting, I think, like 36 or 37% from three this season. But I think over the long term, once he's in the NBA, for a little bit longer, gets his feet under him, uh, we'll see that tick up a little bit. He's, this guy's a real knockdown shooter. So I think that they're going to go for that rim protector type guy just so when Zion comes off the floor, they have somebody that can protect the second unit. Uh, who that is, um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know. I think there's a lot of guys out there that can kind of fit that mold and just be that prototypical guy that's in the paint and not really stepping out. Um, you know, one name I always float out, and he's been on about 11 different teams, including the same team twice is Dwayne Dedman. Um, I know that he's a decent rim protector who can also step out and hit a three. So he kind of fits that nice mold where I think a lot of teams, if they don't have to pay that king's price, uh, would love to have him, but it's unfortunate for that. So I, I don't know exactly, have to trade for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because he's under contract. He's under uh, that massive contract. I I do think they might get
1: um someone who stretches the floor. And I was looking at two interesting names. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about them. Two veterans, pretty old. I don't. One of them might even retire. But two guys that I was thinking that they could get, and they're not going to play 30 minutes a game. They're going to play probably 25 or so. Marcus is one who could stretch the floor when he needs to. He moves the ball around a lot. And this team already plays at that pace. And ball movement is very good or um, very integral to their offense. So I think he would fit very well if he still wanted to play at 36 years old. We don't know. I don't know that yet. And another name who's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year as well suddenly became a three point shooter over the summer for when the olympics were happening and the, and the world games were happening he just started bombing threes and then it translated to this year and he's been really productive when he's been on the court he's currently a backup but when he's played he's been really well as aaron baines he can re- protect the rim he plays hard defense he sets hard screens um, he moves the ball around well for a big man and he's got added range that came out of uh nowhere this summer so those are two names that i would be looking at if i were the pelicans to china to gel with zion williamson um and and just help him out there and a third one these are all there's not many centers that are out there that can stretch the floor or even centers in general that are out there coming into this year we've it's supposed to be a a very i don't want to say bad dra- or bad free agent class but an underwhelming free agent market this year uh, Everybody has been talking about how next year is supposed to be the next thing. But those are two guys I'm looking at. And then maybe um, maybe Marcus Morris. Uh, he's he's a hard-nosed guy. He could play power forward if he wants, maybe push Zion to center for 15, 20 minutes a game. And he could stretch the floor. He showed in, in New York when he was in the Knicks earlier in the year that he was having a career year. So those are just a couple guys that I would look at if I were them. And then, I mean, you have, like, I think Dario Sarix one. I wouldn't touch him, but if you're going to throw out a cheap veteran minimum contract, maybe someone else like that. And then your prototypical, like you mentioned, you need someone who can protect the paint. And then um, I would try and look for a, a rim protector, but kind of in, in the bargain, bearer, bargain bin area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Like a Howard or something. Um, Jacob Petal, I think, is a restricted, but I'm not sure if he's an actual – if he's – and like an uh, unrestricted free agent uh, so th- those are the people i would look at and I, I just wanted to ask you i know we talked about the lakers before and we talked about the pelicans how weird would it be i've been thinking about this for the past couple of days but how weird would it be if the pelicans did snatch that eighth seed and then you saw lakers pelicans round one after all the drama that happened last year and into this year it would just be funny and i if the Lakers ever lost, I wouldn't show my face for a while. I probably wouldn't be talking to you or anybody else on podcasts for a while. The Homer, but... the Homer Simpson meme <laughs> where he's, like,
0: sliding back into the bushes.
1: Yeah, when he goes into the bushes, that, that'd be me. But I, I, it would be an extended going into the bushes. But yeah. I wanted to see – what do you think about that if they ever won and, and that's that's the eventual winning I think it would be, be
0: good basketball. I mean, it would, be, it would just be fun to watch. I think they'd get mopped, but it would, it would still be, you know, fun. I don't think you'd have to worry about Homer Simpson into the bushes. I think yeah. the Lakers uh, yeah. would just run away with this, especially – um, just every, all the stigma surrounding Anthony Davis on his old team and everything like that. You, you you wouldn't be expecting any trips to the locker room unless he really needed it, I think. Um, so I think it would be fun just to see, but I don't think it would be good basketball as far as I think the Lakers would at, at most need to play five games.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it'd be like a competitive series, you know, where it's kind of close, but all this, it's four. It's a four-zero. It's a four-zero Laker win. But they'd be they'd be competitive games. No, JJ saying, Redick
0: might hit one big shot. I feel like where you'd see cool. one big JJ Redick shot where they steal a game. I could see him stealing one. That JJ, I could say.
1: JJ's always had always played well in the playoffs. And, and when he was at Duke in the tournament, he's always had that. He's always been able to bring that extra gear out in himself when he when he needs to. And I like I respect that.
0: Yeah. And you, I mean, you touched on Marcus Saul as a center option. I, I'm i going to put that to bed now because I already made a bold prediction that he'll be a warrior <laughs> next season. So Ooh, okay. uh, I, I was, I was okay. on with Andrew. Yeah. I think he's going to be a warrior next season. This guy's not going to go to a team unless he knows they're going to win. Um, You know, it's just bottom line. This guy, he's got a ring now, dude. He could, he can make those kinds of calls, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll retire or I'm going to get another one bottom line. There's no fans or buts, and the warriors are going to, you know, be in the market. They're going to be that team. That's kind of bouncing back. Uh, You know, everybody's, sleeping on him, I, I think Ooh. it'd be a good fit for him. I think it'd be a really good fit. Allows them to spell Draymond a little bit and still have that that big that they can run past this through, through the top of the post, top of the key. Yeah. That, and he's going to cost you a, only a few million dollars a year. Oh, believe me. They love underpaying for veterans. Uh, how do you feel about
1: uh, Bain's I, I think Baines, he I don't think. Well.
0: I don't think he can leave. I don't think he can leave Phoenix. I think he's too loved over there, man. I mean, yeah, did you see that fine. the Air Baines Twitter account. I don't think they'll <laughs> let. I think walk. He's, just, he's literally but, the best player. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be able to.
1: If they'll, I think they'll have to try and pay him a little bit. But I mean, if Baines, if he's seeing a 15-minute role behind DeAndre Ayton, or he can play with Zion Williamson for 30 minutes a game, I mean, I, I think he might want to do that. And we've mentioned Ball and Rubio are two of the best. Um, court vision guys in the league And it, it would be fun Wherever he goes But I think maybe he would want he, He's always been a, like a Secondary role player throughout his career And then lately he's blossomed into a He can actually ball And people want to give him more minutes I think if he wants to He's going to be unrestricted So if he wants to get those extra minutes That's a good thing And it just hit me now that DeMarcus Cousins is also an unrestricted free agent Next year I know he loved his time when he was in New Orleans. I don't know how he'd fit. Um, We haven't seen him really play much basketball lately, but he would he would fit really well on that team too. He's not afraid to stretch the floor and he's not afraid to shoot. And um, I would love
0: to see him and Zion working together. No, that's a that's a phenomenal call. Yeah, he loved. He I mean, he also loved his time playing uh, next to AD, which was you Mm -hmm. know part of the reason why um they were they're were really good buds so um uh, but that's a good call he, he did kind of make a little name for himself over there had some of his best games of his career were actually in new orleans i don't know if you remember that one monster game he had uh i think it was something something like 50 50 actual points uh just a crazy rebounding game too he he put up one of those ones over there so i could see that um yeah listen to baines i think would be an excellent fit um it's if they, if they can get him, I think he'd be a phenomenal fit. I don't think they're ready to play Jackson Hayes any big minutes, like we said, favors coming off the books. A center is definitely going to be at the top of their priority list. So um, I think there's going to be a few names tossing around. I don't think they want this to be – you touched on it being like a, an underwhelming free agent class, and that might be exactly what they need, to be honest, because they don't – You know, it's unfortunate that they'll probably have to overpay for a guy like Baines. But, yeah. hey, if you get your guy, I mean, we just talk about the Spurs just rotating out backup centers who end up being – Solid role players for other teams. We were, just, I think, me and you were talking about this offline, maybe about a week, two weeks ago, and we got to bring up the resurrection of a name that nobody probably will remember, uh, Mr. Joffrey Laverne. Uh, there's been bunch oh, yes. of guys, yes. Yeah, so We, we were talked about, about Yaka, him, Nurkic Nurtle, and Jokic all playing in the same backcourt. Yeah, remember that? That. Was, that was over there. Uh, so there's they they kind of churn those guys out. Um, yeah. but we'll we'll uh we'll have to say. So, I mean, Luca, who's it? Luca Somaliak? Uh, some, am I saying? I'm probably butchering his last names. Uh, brutally, but he'll be the next one, I'm sure. Uh, the next stretch five that's, that's secretly rock solid but can't get minutes on the Spurs. Right. And um, I know I'm about 10 minutes late on this,
1: but when you were saying uh, Aaron Baines fan Twitter, it's just hitting me now that how funny it was because I really like that Twitter account. I really one like of my the, favorite, dude. Aaron Baines one. It's just hitting me now. I'm a little late on that. I don't know. That was a real late reaction, but it's hitting me.
0: It's like the Suns get smoked and nobody does well, but Aaron Baines puts up like 15 and 8, and it just gets blown <laughs> up into the epic proportions. He is it bad.
1: He is really good. <laughs> yeah, oh, it just, it, I got one more name that just hit me now that we're talking about – Um, you said Nicola Melli, and we're talking about like stretch European guys. There was a guy on this team last year who got traded at the deadline – who is a stretch four or five guy who would fit well with Zion? Oh he's God, not currently in the. Go.
0: You know, he's not playing. Well, there we NBA go. Right now, You've been but, hyping him I mean, up for like <laughs> eleven years now, Santino. Uh, he listen, guys. Before he goes any further with Nikola Ameritic, he used to say the same exact stuff about Dario Sarge. Uh, wait till this guy uh, I comes uh, over. Okay. Wait I till this guy. <laughs> I just
1: like right. European guys. I, mean, that's too, Europe, why I still love yeah. Ricky Rubio and. Your boys, Alexi Shved.
0: i big. Oh, the Shvedder. Stop! Don't get me started with the Shvedder. Shvedder up defenses. I love him. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think we touched on a lot here. We're, we're probably already running over time, and people might have muted us a while ago because we can, me and New Santino, we can just banter about uh, basketball. This is how our phone calls turn into. It turns out that I just pull up a random stat that I wanted to talk to him about. Next thing I know, uh, we're on the phone for an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah. But- until I can't take your voice
1: anymore, and I just secretly That's, hang up, and you talk to yourself until you realize I'm gone. I can
0: go for a good two to three and a half minutes before I even notice. And in my own defense, it's Santino Schnaz. who <laughs> the phone call probably three quarters of the time, so he's talking, doesn't even realize it. So we have to hang up and call each other back. He's got he's got an Italian Schnaz on him, so uh, yeah. you know it, it, I, it can it's a De Niro looking nose. It can definitely hit the hit the mute. I like button. that. Right.
1: I think it's I think it's the new these new iPhones and these new yeah, smartphones I when i put them up to my my face my chin hits <laughs> the, the mute button all the time my cheek i can yeah. only talk on speaker
0: yeah just just your problem though nobody else's nobody else has that problem iphone yeah. just the most popular phone in the world nobody else is doing it but you know hey it's got to be the phone it's got to be these smartphones it's these it's young kids be the phones. not the not
1: so smartphones it's got to be them
0: that's all right man well that's that's it i think we'll wrap it up there i mean we're, we'll be filled in questions about, about these teams we'll probably talk about them before the next season kicks off again anyway they're just so young and exciting and maybe we'll get to see if some of our predictions come to fruition uh but just as always, guys, if you have a quick moment, if you can give us a thumbs up, a rate and review, you can find us everywhere. YouTube, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Um, we're everywhere, all everywhere that podcasts are being heard. So we do appreciate it. It allows us to continue just, you know, producing these podcasts for free and also making ourselves a little bit better. I know Santino has been doing a few mm-hmm. shows with us over here. So let them have it, guys. Criticize the constructively way. We're trying to get everybody a little bit better, and that's including myself. So I take every little piece of feedback. I listen back to shows and I take the comments and concerns to heart. So we do appreciate you guys. And uh, you know, if you have a second, we're on Twitter as well. So go give us a, th- a follow. We'd like to you know communicate with you guys out there a little bit. Field some questions. Uh, maybe just shoot some shoot some hoops talk. So you can find me at Mike M I K E A P O T R I A Santino is it just Santino Cocone. am I going to butcher this again? At Santino Cocon. Yes. S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. I know my friend's name. I still remember his <laughs> phone number. Remember those days where you used to call people just by knowing their phone number? Still know your phone number, Santino. But uh, there's going to be an exciting show tomorrow. And I'm pretty excited to say because Coach's boy is coming on the show. So we're gonna get Dawson on here. He's gonna be talking some Mavs with Coach. It looks like Coach is gonna be taking some Grizzlies. Uh, I'm sure that Dawson's gonna be doing, doing some lawn work for quite some time, knowing that Coach is not doing the Mavericks, and he was able to kind of pry that one away from him. Uh, he's he's got to have he's got to be doing something around the house for that because he did not give that up too easily. But that's Go gonna ahead. be the show. So anything you want to leave us on and uh, say before we take off, anything that we might have missed? Um, yeah, I, I just hope that this pod is recorded. I know
1: a couple of days ago. Speaking of, I, you mentioned the Wolves earlier, one of my favorite, it's going to be my favorite team besides the Lakers to watch on NBA League Pass next year, and I was so excited about the podcast. Me and Coach had a great podcast, and then all of a sudden, it's been stuck in the cloud for two days now, and we can't get it out. Um, cloud! So hope, hopefully, uh, Patria knows what he's doing and recorded this one, and the cloud knows what it's doing and recorded this one. But I did want to, I heard you say you want some constructed criticism. Oh, God. Uh, I would love to say... If you could just mute your mic when you're on podcast, that'd probably be best for yourself and everybody else because your voice can just get irritating after a couple minutes, man. <laughs> I
0: appreciate that. That's the control no process. So we'll leave you guys with that one. I'm going to mute my mic. And we're going to get out of here. So thank you guys for listening. As always at DFS Coach Talk, we had some fun, and we'll be back tomorrow. Way to dribble up and down the court Just like I'm the king the microphone So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone I like slam dunks and taking it to the home.